So it's quite a good way of doing it. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so I think yeah. without further ado, I will allow my brother to speak grace and peace. How long for? Well, I don't think we should restrict what God gives you. There is a custom. That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> we have a custom of doing another service at 11. But I don't want to run afoul of the Holy Spirit. That's never a good idea. Hi, everybody. Hi. Any Wheaton College people here? You know I love Wheaton College. You know, I'm so in love with you all. I really consider you part of my tribe. But this place of worship is another part of my tribe. And it's such an honor and joy to be with you. I'm not just saying it, oh, I love you so much. I really mean it. And to find a preacher who means what he says is not very easy. <laughs> but I do. Can I pray in Aramaic? Because as those of you who have met me before know, I always start by praying in Aramaic. It was good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. <laughs> so, Shimid Baba, Brona, Brucha, Kusha, Halacha, Alhumaana. Amen. We bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For the Lord is here, and his Spirit is with us. Here we are in a place which is very special. In a place where the Spirit of the living God has intimately been for so long. And it's such a joy and a privilege to be with you. And it's wonderful to be with people like my friend Silas. He's my new friend, aren't you? Levi. My new friend, Levi. And it's wonderful to be here with these little people who are growing to know and love God along with us people as well. Today I want to look at the issue of the throne of grace. You've been learning about grace, about what God gives to us freely, unmerited, his lavishness to all of us that the Lord's grace is with us. I come to you as one who lives amongst those who are being seriously persecuted for their faith. I can't tell you how many of my people have been killed. I counted until it was 1,272. 
And then I couldn't count anymore. It was too difficult. Too many of our people. And yet every one of those people has known the grace of God. Everyone in our community is aware of the incredible might of God to protect us and enable us and to sustain us and to make known the fact that in Romans 8 it says, the suffering of this present world is nothing to be compared with the glory that is to come. Romans 8, 17 and 18. But in order for us to know the glory of the Lord, we also have to know the suffering of the Lord. Because the glory comes with the cross. And very central to our whole being is the cross of Christ. And it is the cross of Christ which enables us to know the glory of Christ. The light of Jesus shines in darkness. And I could go on and tell you about what we have suffered, but I want to tell you about the glory we have experienced. A few years ago, a little boy who had fled Iraq, his father being killed by ISIS, and I said to him, Mario, I will do everything for you. And we gave them a house and we gave them food. And Mario's father, who had been killed, said to me, Abuna, father, he said, can I ask two things of you? I said, Mario, you can ask anything of me, and I promise I will do it. It's a bit dangerous saying you will promise. <laughs> he said, Abuna, Will you be my daddy now? I said, of course, I'll be your daddy. And so from that day, he came to me as one of my children. The next issue took a bit longer. None of the Iraqi refugee children were given schools or allowed to go to school. He said, Daddy, can you get me school? So I said, of course I will, Mario. That took a bit longer. It took three weeks to get a school. And from nothing, we started a school. Today, we had the biggest Christian school in the Middle East. 
and we have hundreds of children. Do we have any pictures, Esther? Do we have... Uh, one of the greatest things in our school is that all of the children line up like there and they say the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic three times a day. They sing it. I don't know if there's any sound here. And so they're praying the Lord's Prayer with their hands open to God. Because this is a real engagement between the children and God. And all the children wear bow ties because every day when I'm not being priestly, I wear a bow tie. And so we all wear bow ties. The children pray every day. And I said to them one day, you know, God is all about grace. And he wants to give to you. And you need to be very specific with God. What do you want from God? What do you want him to give to you? And so I went through the class and... The children either wanted to emigrate to two places, Chicago or Australia. <laughs> and you know that Chicago has the greatest number of Iraqi Christians in the world. We have 200 left, 200,000 left in Iraq. You have 600,000 in Chicago. Did you know that? No. You never do. You don't know very much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful that they are here and they've shown such grace by the community here. I said to the children, we know all these things you want, like you want to be able to emigrate. But 
If you were to ask God for anything, what would you ask him for? And my little boy said to me, can I ask God for anything? Would he give me anything? I said, yes, you'll see. Yes, Yeshua. Whatever you want, you ask God for. He said, do you know what I want to ask for, Abuna? I want to ask for a Burger King. <laughs> because every day they see the signs for Burger King. But there's no way that any of these children could ever afford to have a real Burger King. So I prayed with him and I said, God will give you a Burger King. The next day... Somebody from America came to school and they decided they were going to take the whole school on a picnic. And guess what they gave them? <laughs> they all got a beggar king. And he was so excited that there was a chance of a real little boy to know the real grace of God. We come to the throne of God. Now most of you don't know what it's like to have a throne, do you? I used to have one. I used to sit in a really, really comfortable throne. Would one of you children like to see a picture of me on my throne. Right, you can come and have a look. This is my throne. Here we are. Look, what can you see there? Come on, I don't buy it. <laughs> there I am, sitting on my throne, preaching. Preaching my sermon. Yes, I know it's a golden throne, but the guy who it used to belong to was called Saddam Hussein, and he didn't need it anymore. You can show them the picture if you like. Who'd like to go around and show the picture? No? Yes, you go. Go around and show the picture. So... That was my thronely experience. But the thing is that God wants us to know the throne of grace in Hebrews chapter 4. He wants us to know the throne of God's provision. Just like the children needed a Burger King, or wanted a Burger King. So, we have things that we want, that we need, that we want to achieve. Now, my friends at Wheaton College all want to get 
good, very good quality degrees. And the rest of us want to be good in business, good in our life with our families, with our friends. And God says, come to my throne of grace. Because we fail to appreciate what God really wants to do for us. His grace is like Yusuf's Burger King. God wants to give to us what we really want. He doesn't just want to give us things which we might ask for in boring prayers. Lord, give me a fulfilling day at church today. Do you ever pray that? No? Well, try just occasionally. Not too much. But God wants to give to us. But he wants to give to us really dynamically and dramatically and supernaturally. I love Wheaton College, right? But historically, some of the people at Wheaton can be quite boring. <laughs> Is that right? We've got to believe in a God who is really supernatural and wonderful and wants to heal us and restore us and do miracles. The other day, last week, I was in New Zealand. Two days before, I was at Bethel in Reading at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And I did meet two students there two weeks ago who had been to Wheaton. So they had to be the best students at Bethel. That always goes hand in hand. Wherever I go, it was quite strange. The other day, I was in New, New Zealand. And in New Zealand... The other end of the world, terrible, terrible end of the world, but such wonderful people. But there in New Zealand, I found one person who had trained with me in my medical days in London, and one person from Wheaton. They get everywhere. <laughs> You see, might be a little place somewhere in Illinois, but great things happen from here. He's doing very well with this book, isn't he? <laughs> what do you think of my throne? He's taking it to everybody. <laughs> Now, my throne was very significant. Now, ignore the Scud missiles on the wall behind the throne. We didn't need them anymore. 
But the throne represents not just God's might. It represents what God wants to do. And represents what God can do. And we need to learn the supernatural power of God. We can't just sit here and say we need to know the foundations. That's very good. How did that go? You're very, what do we give him? I'll give him one of the pens. You get a special pen. Where is the special pen? Here we are. No, that's a green pen. That's the pen that signed Saddam's death sentence. This is a special pen. Do you like that? <laughs> Would you like it? There we are. Go, ah. <laughs> There'll be some pens on sale after the service. <laughs> you don't need to buy a pen, you've got one already. One of the other things is that we know that God wants to work through us supernaturally. And we have to believe that his miracles can really happen. It's very strange. Being in Iraq, I saw the greatest number of miracles I'd ever seen. We had people being raised from the dead, being dramatically healed. It was really good. We had somebody from Voice of the Martyrs with us one day, and he said, why is everybody so happy here? I've never seen a place where people are so happy. One of my unofficial adopted daughters, Lena, she came up with the answer. She said, when you've lost everything, Jesus is all you've got left. So we have lost everything, but we haven't lost Jesus. Jesus is just as real for you here in Wheaton as he, as he is for us in Baghdad. But we must believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Now, it's a real joy to be able to come and speak at different places around the world. And one of the things I always like to do, I know you've got to finish at 11, but I want to give you time to ask me questions. 
so that I don't just talk what I want you to hear. You ask me, what do you want to know? Any questions? Yes. Were you ever there when things were, were happy before all of the strike? I was there from 1997. Were things happy? <laughs> it was the days of Saddam. And I must admit, I was part of the brigade that wanted Saddam removed. I fought in favor of the war. I was totally and utterly wrong. Things are a lot worse now than before. We are worse after Saddam was removed than before. Next one. Hello. No, it was quite bad. There was lots of fighting, lots of killing, lots of shooting. So it was quite bad. We've had the good days and the bad days. But, you know, that Iraq is a very holy place. Do you know where Iraq is mentioned in the Bible? Genesis chapter 2, right at the beginning. The Garden of Eden was between the Tigris and the Euphrates, which are both Iraqi rivers. And one of the oldest people in the Bible came from a place called Ur. <laughs> Did you know that we had somewhere called Ur? Who came from Ur? Abraham came from <laughs> and I've been there many times so that was what it was like in next question Well, the thing is, in Iraq, everybody knows me. So it doesn't matter what I wear, what I do, what I say. They all know the crazy vicar of Baghdad. So most of them like me. Very important thing in life is to actually give to people. I'm a great believer in, you want to show your love to the people you serve, give to them. And what's the most important 
something to give to people. Something nice. Something they can eat. Next one. They are. The children there at school were singing in Aramaic. Aramaic is not just our worshipping language, it's our spoken language. And yes, Muslims did. Was it my effective preaching and apologetics? No, not one little bit. People who were Muslims came to faith for one reason. The man in white came and stood by their bed. All the time, people talk about the vision of Jesus. And they always refer to Jesus as the man in white. Next one. At the moment, I'm located in Wheaton. <laughs> I do still go to Baghdad, but I'm not based there. Most of our people are in Jordan. So all of the children in our school are all from Iraq. And I do a lot in Jerusalem. Uh, I'm based at Christchurch Jaffa Gate. Who's been to Christchurch Jaffa Gate? You need to go. It's great. I always say that the old city of, of Jerusalem is where heaven and earth meet together. Great. So I'm still in the Middle East. When I'm not in Wheaton. Next one. How many kids were in school? Not were. Ah. Oh, we have about 300. And they're aged. Who's the youngest? Matty. Matty's four. And the oldest is 16. So from 4 to 16. All Iraqi refugees. Most of the Christians have fled Iraq now. And we have 30,000 plus Iraqi Christian refugees in Jordan and 300 children in our school. How would you suggest connecting with the Iraqi Christians in Chicago? Are you a Wheaton person? Yes. Wheaton College? Well, look, the rules for people from Wheaton are completely different. 
If anybody from Wheaton wants to come to us, they are welcome. As we say in Arabic, you are welcome. We love you. Do you know what? I have been coming to Wheaton for 19 years. There and back, there and back, there and back. And I have had, how many Wheaton staff have I had? About 19. Some of them have been with me a little while. Some of them a long while. Some have come on internships. But wherever I am, you're welcome. Now, there was one problem. They used to come regularly. But when I was based in Iraq, the college thought it was a bit dangerous sending students to Iraq. So now I'm in Jordan, so it's safe. <laughs> You're welcome. The question, Andrew, is how does she connect with Iraqi Christians here in Chicago? How do you c connect with Iraqi Christians in Chicago? They always ask this, and I say connect with the Iraqi church, the Iraqi churches, there are many, and the Iraqi churches are just absolutely hopeless at connecting with you. It's terrible. You can find the Iraqi Evangelical Church, the Iraqi Chaldean Church, the Iraqi Syrian Catholic Church, the Iraqi Syrian Orthodox Church, but whether you can get any communication with them. It's good because it's something to try. <laughs> it's a challenge. How do you advocate for greater peace in Iraq and Syria? What you need to do is to pray for peace but pray that the church there may really be able to operate in finding peace. I always say we have to pray for peace and pay for peace. You can't just get it with nothing. You know, running a school and a clinic and a big relief program doesn't come cheap. Next one. Kenyon White, you talked about God's unmerited favor and how much he wants to pour grace out onto all people. And I can see how that can work in very broken situations like yours, but how in the western suburbs of Chicago, like here, where we're stable, do we, do we seek grace? There's so much of it, but how do you recommend we do that? That is a very, very real question. Do we seek grace? And that is a question which only we as individuals can answer. And we as a community amongst those who have 
after actually begin by saying, how can we seek the grace of God? What do we need? We need to know that God is closer to us. We have to be able to take people to the throne of grace. We have to be able to take people into relationship with God. And I would come back to what I've just said. One of the key ways of doing that is to show people real love. Invite them to dinner. You see, Wheaton College has the best refectory in the whole of the country, doesn't it? <laughs> One of the best. It's outstanding. And that is a wonderful opportunity to show people we all love, to invite them just once. Come and have dinner with us. Get your group at college to be behind it. Aramaic, and the Syro-Chaldean. Yes. That's brilliant that you've got the links to the... But it's really good that you've got them. So maybe you could help others to create relationships. Maybe you could invite the patriarch or some of the leaders here to meet with you, not for a service. When we meet, we eat. <laughs> Next one. Ken and White, you, um, in your book, you talk about how American soldiers protected you at different times and allowed you to continue in Baghdad. Um, there's, I run into a, a lot of Christians that are very strong pacifists. There seems to be a very strong pacifist uh, tradition in the United States. Do you see any place where uh, military intervention has any role in the, in the uh, Middle East at this point? And can Christians ever advocate or uh, encourage intervention? Well, the fact, fact is that the whole just war theory is very complex. And there are just war theories saying we do need to intervene militarily where life is at risk, where human rights are violated, where people are trodden on. But it's not always easy. 
And there are times when it's really wrong. But we have seen, not least with the US military, that there is a strong, godly, and devout group of people who are part of the military. I will never forget my first Easter in Iraq after the 203 war. It was quite worrying because I was doing a service by Saddam's swimming pool, as you do. <laughs> and I was, I woke up one night, I didn't know what to preach about or what to say, but I woke up singing the song, because he because he lives, I can face the future. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future. And life is worth a living just because he lives. So I wrote that in my daily update, and Dr. Tony Payne from Wheaton happened to just write to me, oh, I know the person who wrote that. And when you come over to Wheaton next week, you can meet her. And I did meet them. And that was wonderful. But I was baptizing in Saddam's swimming pool that day. And I got talking to some of the soldiers, the young soldiers who were there together. And they were singing so loud and so brilliantly. I said, you're incredible. Tell me, who are you? There were eight soldiers, and they were all Wheaton men. <laughs> they were all from Wheaton College. What a wonderful sign of God's grace. So even in the midst of war scenarios, the Lord is there, and his Spirit is with us. Not much time for more questions. How much more time? Five minutes. Next one, please. For most of them, I'll be honest with you, it's to get out of there. And I've never met one Iraqi Christian who says they will go back. One of our young girls, who's living in LA now, 
She wrote to me this week saying she wanted to go back and be a translator at the U.S. Embassy. And I was being nice to her about it. But she then wrote to me later in the day saying, my mother says, under no circumstances can I ever go back. So there is a desire to try and keep the Iraqi Christian community going in places like Chicago and L.A. But it's difficult. I really... Despite what everybody say about, says about the Americans, I thank the Americans for the, how they have welcomed the Iraqis into America. They probably don't say much about it on the news because it's not the kind of thing you want to make known, is it? But it's good. Next question. My Any kids? Well, with the Christian children, their whole ethos is so different. There's no concept of being a marginal Christian. You have to be totally committed. And the children will all know three songs. Jesus loves me. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And those songs really identify to them what faith is about. I've never met one Christian, child or anybody, who wants to leave that community? Right, last question from a Wheaton person. We have very, very, very good Iraqi teachers. So yes, we fund it, we run it, we support it, but it's all managed by the Iraqis. The Iraqis themselves. There are none of us from outside. The only person I've ever had in teaching was Dr. Rowlands, who taught the children the elephant song in French. How'd it go? What did it go like? She won't do it. 
It's very good being here with you today. And I really do hope and pray that you will feel part of our community. Yes, I talk about them as my children, my family, my community. But they are mine and I am yours. So we are all in this together. Don't forget us. Pray for us. We love you. Bye.